thankful for that. You know, uh, at, the, at the beginning of the year back in January, uh, to start out the year, I, I kind of set a time a, a apart for some, for some uh, very deliberate praying and seeking God and fasting. And, and one of the things that came to me during that time period is just the kind of, the, the idea came that I needed to get back to the basics of faith. And you may not be aware of it, but for the last 15 weeks, we've been going through something called systematic theology. In other words, we've been taking on the big themes of our faith. And uh, I hope it's been a good experience for you. It's been refreshing for me as well. Um, so, uh, we, about two weeks ago, we started to talk as we went through this systematic theology. I thought maybe he was going to come up here and preach for me. He, uh, <laughs> I, uh, two weeks ago, we started preached on the, the, the topic of hell. And, and listen, that's important. We need to understand it. But you don't want to talk about hell without also talking about heaven. So as we finish these 15 weeks together, we're going to spend this week and next week talking about heaven. And here's the deal. You know, Sandy said at the end of that song, you know, everyone should have said, amen. We should be excited about this. I was thinking as we were singing today, you know, if I, if I said to you, listen, I'm going to talk to you about Hawaii. You might go, well, that sounds wonderful. That's a beautiful place. I've heard great things about it. But if I said, I'm going to tell you about Hawaii because week we are going together, that would be a very different thing, wouldn't it? You might perk your ears up just a little bit. That's what I want you to do today. This is our destination together. And not only does it give us great hope, perseverance for us in the days to come, it should change the way that we live even today. This isn't our distant hope. This is our communal destination. And so don't you want to know about where we're going? What I've done this week is uh, I've gone back and looked at some of the most popular questions, the things that kind of mystify people about heaven, and I want you to know about them today. Why? Again, because this is our destination. All believers. So this morning I want to Revelation 1 and uh, all the way through chapter 2 as well. 21, verse 21. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it. And its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by the light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no nighttime there, its gates will never be closed. And they will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it, and nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and the Lamb in the middle of the street. On either side of the river was a tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were the healing of the nation. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. That's you and me. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night, 
And they will not have the need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, as I sat down to pray this morning, I opened up your holy word and I came to Psalm 46. And those words echoed within my heart, be still and know I'm God. Another translation, driving. But Father, I confess, I think I can speak for my brothers and sisters here this morning that we have striven. We have striven with each other. We have striven probably more so even in our own minds. We have worried about things that we have no control over. We have played the what-if game in our hearts and in our minds. But we come today with the desire to set all of that aside. And oh God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us rest. Give us peace as we center ourselves before you. Watch over us and guide our steps. Do something, Father, that is impossible without you. Breathe life into each one of us and help us to be more fully yours. In Jesus' name, amen. I have two boys. My, my oldest son is Joshua. He'll be here in just a little bit. I'm so excited to see him. My, my youngest son is named Nathan. And when he was young, I think I was going through a study in the book of Revelation. And we used to have just the best conversations on the way home. And he wanted to talk about heaven. He liked talking about heaven. And one day he said, Dad, I can't wait to get to heaven because I'm going to become an angel. I can't wait to get my wings and my halo. And I said, um, son... I hate to tell you this, but you're not, <laughs> you're not an angel. I mean, you're a creation of God, but that's not, you're not going to get uh, wings. You're not going to get a, a halo. And he looked at me, and I'm pretty sure he didn't believe me. I mean, seriously, he just looked at me, and he was really disappointed. But then again, I just don't think he, he really believed me. And I don't really blame him because... You know, a lot of the images, a lot of the things that we believe about heaven really come from uh, the, the movies, uh, stories, and really not very much of them come from the reality that we see in the Scripture. We've been told that our main occupation in heaven will be kind of sitting around on clouds and have a golden harp, you know, and everything will kind of be bland and there'll be just kind of this flat existence, it'll be kind of, we just kind of hum and rest and be contemplative and, and uh, that's all really a shame because the reality, what the Bible says about our eternal destination, uh, about heaven, is far greater than that. This is part of the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the hope of heaven that motivates, that drives us. Why is it that we don't understand a lot about heaven? Well, goodness, 
should understand, the word heaven, the topic of heaven is mentioned 465 times in the Bible. And that makes it a pretty significant theme. Now, we do confess that we don't have the ability to fully understand everything about heaven. But you know what? I'm not troubled about that. Because I believe that anything that my heavenly Father makes, that the triune God has created for me and for all other believers, is going to be greater than anything that my human mind can fully understand. Now, that said, there is a lot that we can understand about, the, about uh, heaven. Psalm 73, 24 says this, With your counsel you guide me, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom, whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. One of my favorite most things about heaven, we've already seen it in the book of Revelation. Oh, I might get happy this morning. I'm just telling you right now. Somebody else should too. Listen, listen, the, the nastiest stuff in heaven, you know, is just the, the old roads. You know, just the, just the roads in heaven, you know, we make them out of dirt. We make them just, you know, just out of nasty old stuff. Yeah, the worst thing in heaven is going to be the roads made of gold. Huh. The walls are so pure. The glass, that they're, they're so pure, there's no impurity that the gold will be transparent. And there'll be no need of heaven, in heaven, of a sun or a moon to illuminate anything. Why? Because the radiance of Jesus Christ will shine through those old walls. And he will illuminate everything. There won't be any darkness. You know why he stresses that? There'll be no darkness. Because in darkness, there's scary stuff. There's things to be afraid of. There won't be anything to be afraid of in heaven. There won't be anything that's unknown. There won't be anything that stands between you and the face of God. And if that doesn't give you a pause and just want to, oh, Ann, come on. You know, wake up your spirit. Amen. Today I thought I'd look at the most common questions about heaven. On Wednesday I went over the questions and Rich, he said, where'd you get these questions? I said, these, <laughs> these are the most often asked questions that Christians have about heaven. And so I just want to go over a few of them this week and a few more next week. For instance, this question, is it okay to long for heaven? Sandy came home the other night. Oh, I'll over here when I'm telling stories about Sandy. She came home the other night and it had been a long day. You know, how many of you had a long day this week? Anybody? Well, that's all right. That's pretty good. So she came home and she said, you know, one of these days we're not going to have to worry about this anymore. My first thought was a little concerned. She's okay. And I think I communicated that to her and, and, and she just said, no, everything is okay. I just in other words, I just long for heaven. Is that okay? It's absolutely okay. It's absolutely for us. Philippians 1.21 says this, for to, me, for, me, <laughs> for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What an outlandish thing to say. What a crazy thing to say. But here it is. But if I'm on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose. In other words, if I, if I stay, I win. If I go home to be with Jesus, I win. That's who we are as people of faith. We win. But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Look at your neighbor and say, much better. Don't leave that other one out. Much better. Turn the other way. Much better. It is much better. It is much better. 
than anything we can experience here. Paul is saying that there is probably something wrong if we aren't longing for heaven. Either we don't understand what is in store for us or we are holding on too tight to this world which we understand is inferior in every way to what we can expect. How wonderful the world can be. At its very best, how wonderful. How wonderful it is to, to, to laugh with your children, to hold on to your grandchildren. How wonderful it is. I, I remember you know, we recently went to, uh, on a mission trip and to, to work with that group of people, to laugh and to smile and to sweat and to do something for our Heavenly Father. My soul, my heart was just expanded after that experience. How wonderful it is to share a good meal with family and friends. But the the writer of Hebrews says this, in, in 1116 he says, but we desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. I'll never forget my professor in seminary, Robert Canoy, one of my favorite people ever. And he was talking about heaven and the systematic theology, and he said this, the very worst day that you have in heaven is going to totally eclipse the very best day you have on earth. Amen? Here's the catch. There are no worst days in heaven. He said, he said my idea of heaven is read through the scriptures, one of the most theologically profound guys I've ever known, but he said this, it's like on Christmas morning when you come down the steps and you look under the Christmas tree and what do you do? You go, and he said, I believe that every moment in heaven is going to be like that. We should long for heaven, for that very much better. That is our eternal destination. Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything appropriate in his time. Now listen, he has also set eternity in their heart. He has planted that desire. The scripture says we know this is in our home. There isn't something right. You know, on a good day, it's to be with friends, to be with you. On a good day, it can be great, but there's always that tension that something's not whole. But a day is coming. And you see, there's so much written in the scriptures. I'm just going to tip my hand a little bit here and just say this. Why is there so much written? Because those other days are going to be tough. There's going to be times when you're going to be tempted to do things that aren't in accordance with the scripture. But the scripture says, hold on, hold on, hold on, because heaven's coming. The great waking up morning. Glory. So even on those tough days, you persevere. Everything that we have here will be nothing compared to what we have in the hope of heaven. How about this for a question? Most of you have probably asked this at one point in your life. Will we know one another in heaven? Have you ever ever asked that question and thought that? Have you ever? Without a doubt, the answer is yes. Everything in the scripture tells me yes. Listen to the words of Jesus in the book of Matthew. I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Do you understand what he's saying there? He's saying there will be a recognition of specific people. When Jesus took Peter up to the Mount of Transfiguration, what happened? He, he, he clearly saw Moses. There was, now, how did he know Moses? Had, had he seen a selfie? Had he seen it? No, that was a joke. 
No, there was just something in his spirit that he knew. And that's awful important. That means that we're going to know one another. All of the believers that have gone on before, we'll be able to sit and have a fine meal that says, man, we're Baptists. We do love to eat, don't we? And we'll be able to sit with the Apostle Paul and ask him questions. We'll be able to sit with Peter or Moses. We'll be able to look up into the face of Jesus. Your friends will know you. Your friends, I believe, will welcome you home. They'll embrace you. And what a blessing it will be to be with all of the ones that have gone on before. I want to tell you one other thing that you have. You know, in this world, there's kind of friction between people. It's not always right. It can be very good. I hope it is good. But every once in a while, there'll be a little friction. It won't be that way in heaven. Because we'll have glorified spirits and then we'll have glorified bodies. And all of the friction that we sometimes feel, it's gone. It won't be anymore. And that's our hope that we have in heaven. No more barriers. Next question. Is heaven a place? Again, let us rely on the words of Jesus. You know this passage, John 14. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And so heaven is clearly a place. We see in Ezekiel and Paul and John. Perhaps not a space as we know it, and you know, but fundamentally different than what we experience right now. But we can at least say that we are headed for the most wonderful adventure of all of our existence. Well, in this place, will mansions await us? You've heard that expression in the King James. It says that He's gone to to, to create a mansion for us. Perhaps that's not the most literal translation. I'm not a Greek expert, but there's some other words that you know may be more appropriate. In Greek, the word is monet, and that doesn't really talk about an illusion of grandeur. But if you're disappointed in that, remember two things. Number one, Revelation 21, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. One gate, one gate was one giant pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Streets of gold in a wonderful and perfect place. And we can agree that any eternal place, again, created by God for us, is going to be more wonderful than your mind can comprehend right now. Secondly, the Bible tells you there will be no night, no sun, because the glory of God will illuminate it. Doesn't that sound wondrous? Doesn't that sound like, boy, there's nothing to be disappointed about there? How about this for a question? Can deceased saints see us? Listen to the words of Hebrews. Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangle us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. A great cloud of witnesses 
that have gone on before us seem to be watching with great interest and anticipation. Likewise, in Revelation 6-9, it says, When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from adjudging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? In Luke 15, 10, it says, In the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. If you, In other words, it seems like on that side of the veil, in heaven, they are aware of the current state of the world. Yet there are other passages that tend to question, in all honesty. Isaiah 65, 17 For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. And the natural question heaven be a place of great joy if in heaven they know the difficulties of the world? It's a good question. Perhaps are purposely kind of unclear. Yet we understand, can see this, they encourage us on. Because their tests are complete and ours are not. If they can see us, can they communicate with us? Now here's one that's, that, that's kind of tricky and important. Can the living consult with the dead? I believe the biblical answer is yes, they can. But don't do it. It is absolutely forbidden. And we should not play with it. And we should not participate in it. Isaiah eight nineteen says this. When they say to you, consult the mediums and the spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? In other words, why would you consult with the, uh, about the living? Why would you consult with the dead about the living when you can consult with God through the power of his Holy Spirit? Are mediums real? Are they real. Uh, my guess is that for every uh, one that seems to have this kind of ability, I think there in the scripture identifies that there is that ability. There's probably a thousand frauds, con artists and fakes. But in the scripture, it talks about those that are mediums. Furthermore, in Deuteronomy 18, it says this, and this is what's important. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer, or one who casts spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. This isn't cute. This isn't fun. This isn't exciting. This is called an abomination to God. So we won't play with it. We don't flirt with it. You say, how would we do that? How about we don't, we don't mess with Ouija boards? We don't think that dog psychics are cute. I don't mess with horoscopes. Dungeons and Dragons. I was watching TV the other day, and 
they were talking about in 1975 how Dungeons and Dragons were really thought to be kind of an, uh, an evil thing, but we're so much more sophisticated now and it's just a creative way. No, I don't think we'll play with that. I'll even go further. I know some of you are going to think I'm, uh, I'm just old school or whatever. I, I don't think you play with horror movies. In October, you know, we just go to a regular movie without seeing the, the previews of three horror movies. You know what we were talking the other day, Scott and I were talking about how music can just open up your spirit and enable you to worship. I think those horror movies open up your spirit to things that you don't need to be participating with. It's, oh, it's harmless. No, it's not harmless. Your brain is a hard drive that you can't erase things from. And you know what? I made a mistake with my boys, and I wish I hadn't. I let them read those Harry Potter books. You say, oh, come on. There's... You know my justification? Well, at least they're reading something. Yeah, they're reading about witchcraft. And it's cute, and it's fun, and it's not. And it opens up our spirit to things that we just, we just don't need. It's not part of who we are as Christians. Timothy 4.1 says this, but the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Don't, don't flirt. Now some are saying, oh, Cal, that's just so closed-minded. I don't, I don't think so. You know, sometimes we need to close our mind to some things, close our spirit. And I think those are dangerous things that we can't even fully understand. The Bible says don't do it. Terribly important question. One that I think anyone who's kind of read the scriptures can kind of get tangled up in, kind of get confused about. Where do I go when I die and when? Anyone ever, ever wondered that? Nobody. Next question then, fine. That's probably one of the best ones right there. Where do I go when I die and when? Listen to the words of Jesus from the cross as he speaks to one of the two criminals that seeks to be blessed by him. Luke 23, 43. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Where do we go when we die? Philippians 1, 23. But I am hard pressed from both directions. We've looked at this. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. To depart and be with Christ in one breath. And so I believe the scriptures tell us that the moment that we take our last breath here, that we close our eyes here, we're going to open our eyes there, we're going to inhale the glory of heaven, and we're going to look into the face of Jesus. It says that he's going to wipe the last tear away from your face. That personal, that intimate to each one of you, it is immediate. Sent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Immediately, he says, today you will be with me. Depart and be with Christ. It represents an immediate action. Now, the complexity comes when we start to look at all of the events that will occur at the end times upon Jesus' return. Listen to the words of Paul in 1 Thessalonians. He says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and will remain will be caught up together with the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so that 
We shall always be with the Lord. The physical body dies and our soul is in the immediate presence of God. Although we do not have the resurrection bodies yet, we are conscious. We have the capacity for speech and action. And best of all, we are alive and near to Christ. But on the last day when Jesus returns for his people, his bride, there will be a bodily resurrection and we will receive glorified bodies and live with him forever. You can say amen right there. Romans 8:11 says this. I'm not sure your heart was in that. Come on now. But the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the, the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. We will have physical, glorified bodies when Christ returns and the new heaven and the new earth become one. Now, some of you might be disappointed in that. Just wanted to float around on your cloud. Just wanted to play that golden harp. Let me tell you, this is going to be very much better. You're thinking, you know, you say I'm going to be stuck with this body? Man, I've hated my nose my entire life, and now you say i got to keep this nose for all of eternity? Brothers and sisters, you're going to receive a glorified body. and It's going to have some kind of connectivity with who you are now. There's going to be continuity between who you are and who you will be. And that glorified body will be like the one that Jesus, that Jesus has. He's going to give us a, a glorified body so that we can fully worship our Father. Your body will be immortal. Your body won't suffer from any destructive forces. I don't know what's happened to my knees in the last two weeks, but I've had it. You know, how many, come on, somebody say, hey, man, I'm sick of these old knees. There won't be any of that in the future. You won't have to, man, you know what I was telling Sandy today? She gave me my pill box. Good Lord. Gave me my pill box. I looked at that old pill box. It's crammed full. Every day it's got pills for me. And I said, I never wanted to be that guy that just carried around that pill box, you know. I never wanted to be that guy. You know what? Glory's coming and a better day's ahead. And, man, you won't have a thing in the world to be disappointed about with that glorified body. You're going to be like him so that you can worship him. You're going to be like him so that you can worship him. The new body will be a gift of God's love and his grace. And pointed by that, remember one thing. You're going to be with Jesus and you're going to be like Jesus. And there can be nothing disappointing in that. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable. And this mortal must put on immortality. It will be a real body. Not a phantom. Not a ghost. Not an angel. Jesus said, touch me and see. will be recognizable. Verse 42. The new body will be deathless. It will be without decay. Verse 43. It will be glorious. It will no longer be uh, subject to attacks of Satan. Verse 43 continues, it will be powerful and not frail. And 49, somehow it will be linked to the likeness of the resurrected Christ. It's our shared destination. 
the destination of all whose names are written where? In the Lamb's book of life. For those that have confessed Jesus as Savior and Lord. Other questions, certainly there will be. Will there be change? What change will there be from earth? What are angels and their function? What are our rewards? Will we have rewards in heaven? Is there something that, that you're doing now that you can expect a reward for there? What are the crowns that we might receive? We'll talk about that. Will there be time? Will there be music in heaven? Scott, what do you think? Amen. And you know what? I'm going to have a glorified voice. And I'm going to look over at Scott, and I'm going to say, Scott, can I sing a solo? And he won't say no and crush my spirit week after week. Will we have heavenly occupations? What will we be judged for? We're going to look at this as we finish up these 15 weeks of of systematic theology. And let me tell you this, it's all good news. But here's what's important for us today. Believing with everything we are, there is a God and there is a heaven, that there is judgment and there is eternity. Are you living a life this very moment so that you might be ready for it? Are you investing your life in things that are eternal? Because, you know, this little have is just going to be that long, but eternity is what? Forever. Are you living a life that is a life that's pleasing to God so that He might speak to you the most precious words that you'll ever hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Are you living a life? in a way that you know that you're heaven-bound. Would you pray with me? Oh, Lord, you are so wondrous. You are amazing to us. You have pursued us when we ran from you. You are persistent when we are stubborn. You love us even when we're unlovely. You have prepared a place for us to be with you forever. And as wondrous as streets of gold are and, and, and buildings of, of glass, the most wondrous thing is that we will be with you. We will be home with you. So this very moment, forgive us of any ways that we have fallen short and cleanse us and help us even today live in a way that is pleasing to you in response to all that you have done. Keep us safe, protect us and guide our steps until we are safely home with you. In Jesus' name, amen.